2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death of Life podcast. My name is Richard Young, and I'm out in Portland, Oregon right now. This is the first podcast that I'm recording on location in beautiful uh, McMinnville, Oregon, if you ever hear this uh, a few years from now. Well, no. Oh, he was in Oregon when he recorded this. And I am recording uh, this interview with the homie Addison Collingsworth. Addison, what's up, man? Doing good. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, what, are we, what are we about to talk about here? Yeah, so my, uh, my story about coming from uh, deception to freedom and kind of the, the crazy journey that brought me here to be in this uh, little attic room with you here at this Airbnb we're sharing. In That's McMinnville. Awesome. What are we doing out here, bro? Dude, we're spreading the gospel. We're uh, we're freeing people here at this little church um, connected to the school where we get to uh, host and just share about our testimonies and how we've been changed and how this thing has really uh, opened our eyes. So, what was last night, man? What 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 did we talk? So last night was the follow up for Adam one and two, and uh, um, Tyler and Morgan. Well, Tyler got to share his side of the story and. Jonathan was uh, kind enough to fill in Morgan's and just uh, really, really hit about how different life is now and how how quickly that change change comes when the Holy Spirit hits you. So, man, that's uh, if you guys, uh, man, we've gotten enough episodes into this podcast that Morgan and Tyler's episodes seem like a far. That was like October, <laughs> yeah, and now <clears throat> we're in the end of april so that's crazy so yeah this is i'm excited to do this podcast with uh with my guy addison but uh like general announcements lovereality.org bible studies uh anything else anything else we need to mention to anybody listening right now about what's any news we ought to give them no just hit up the site i mean it's it's there it's free it's you know ready for you it is free yeah, it's free. Some Can't pe- say it enough. Some people have said that it isn't free. It is free. And I'm not, I've just read that it wasn't free. And yeah. I was just, 
It's kind of like a theme with us, I think, about freedom and being free. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think we're going to go against the current there. It's, yeah. It's free. It is free. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. All right. Yeah. With all that being said, I think we're just going to jump into this podcast. So uh, buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Okay, so I um I don't remember the first time I knew about you, but we're just going to go I'm going to go in raw here. The first <laughs> thing I had ever heard about you is I saw I think you or your brother what what year did you graduate high school? 2012. Yeah, 2012. So I was recruiting at Union and it's just like someone was like that guy is rich. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. "Oh, word, he's rich." And I'm like, "Yeah." But like different, and I'm just like, what? What do you mean? Because, um, like Lincoln, Nebraska, I, you know, people are kind of low key. They mm-hmm. don't want to, and so yeah. it's kind of like you always ask yourself these questions. Well, how much money do they have? How much money is this? You know, you yeah. know, curious minds want to know. And I'm not sure if I ever talked about you or talked to you for sure. But that's all I knew about you was that. You're you were a rich guy, uh, and so I don't know if that's the start of your story in your mind. I always yeah. start these interviews. I'm like, let's start it where I knew you from. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I knew about you. Why don't you take us back to like where you believe your story when it comes to understanding who you were uh, and what defined you? Where where does that start in your opinion? Yeah, so I I think I would that. That sentiment right there of being kind of the kid that's known for one or two things was simultaneously like the point I would wear as a badge of pride, but also kind of bounce between that and uh, um, kind of trying to hide it because I didn't want to be known as the... It was weird. It was a weird balance between being egotistical about being the kid with money and being okay with it, and yet at the same time trying to like hide it because I wanted people to like me for more than just that. Yeah, so... Going back, I would probably start it with kind of a little background about who I am. So I uh, born and raised Lincoln, Nebraska. Been there my whole life. Still there. Um, I grew up in a kind of split Adventist, non-Adventist home or non-Christian, I should say. My mom and her side of the family, very um, Adventist going way back. And um, uh, I would say more legalistic, more um, more of that view uh, on their side. And then my dad being used to be Adventist and not anymore. So there was kind of this split growing up in our household of like my mom trying to be a good Adventist Christian mom, mm-hmm. getting us to go to church, trying to get us to, uh, um, you know, grow up knowing what the Sabbath was, knowing like uh, God loved us and everything. And then my dad um, 
wanting obviously to relate to us in the only way he knew how, especially growing up, like, you know, watching Husker games with us that happened to be on Sabbath, which was a, you know, point of contention, but just wanting to get to know us the way he knew how, like he, um, you know, not a super emotional guy, but he's a, he loves us and we know it, but he just wants to spend time with us and relate to us. Um, me and my two brothers, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, in the best way he knew how. So there was always that kind of pull between the two of like, do I follow kind of the letter of the law and do I, you know, not have, I don't know, when we went to like a baseball game, do I not have like a hot dog that has pork in it? Because, you know, my mom wouldn't like that, but my dad is offering it to me. So I should probably just take it because my dad's cool and I just want to hang out with him. <laughs> like, you know, when we were a little kid, he's just like, hey, I want to introduce you to Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. But my mom wasn't super jacked on that you know so just sneaking down to the guest bedroom and pulling out the laptop and you know sitting with him all night just watching the trilogy and obviously i was a little kid so it scared the crud out of me you know (laughs) but i loved it because it was just spent time with him so that was kind of the background of growing up you know a kid where i went to um i spent basically all of my schooling within six blocks in of lincoln nebraska so i went to grade school mm-hmm. at a little uh kind of training school for student teachers called george stone mm-hmm. and it's on union college campus mm-hmm. and uh amazing friend life of friends made there and everything else but that was like pretty much all of my grade school then went to college view academy for all of high school spent four years there and then i went to union college and then graduated there so literally all with it in my family home was five minutes from all three of those so I was in the bubble <laughs> completely and utterly. Um, so that was kind of my experience. And within that, um, as my family, especially growing up and you know, still to this day, uh, kind of kept a low profile. So people, there was murmurs, people knew, but not a lot of people understood that we were different, <laughs> right, right, different, right. you know, different uh, uh, circumstance in our lives and, you know, well off uh, as as the rumors were true, um, but like to kind of keep it under wraps and not make a big deal out of it. You know, Lincoln's for it feeling bigger. It's still a small enough town that like, you don't want to, uh, you don't want people seeing you a certain way. So you don't want to show off. When, when was the first time you knew how different it was for you and your family? Yeah. So a couple different things when I was little that kind of hit me. Um, one was, I was in school, I think this was like fifth grade at Georgetown School, and there was this kid who I kind of used to see as a bit of my bully, um, in hindsight, even at the time I didn't understand, he just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, right? Um, and I remember he was doing something about like bragging about his dad's paycheck and certain, like, spitting out numbers, and I just remember sitting there kind of being like, that sounds weird, like why is that a point of conversation he bothers bringing up, like specifically like naming numbers, it's like that doesn't sounds kind of odd to me, like the amount he was mentioning. I was kind of like, hmm, I'll have to revisit that because I don't, I don't understand something. And then like another instance in that same year of like seeing a, just a check lying around for a certain amount of money. And I was just like, that's okay. Yeah. That I didn't, I didn't realize that was a, a, a big deal at the time. I just remember seeing the, uh, um, the amount of ink used on that check. And I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and, yeah, what did that do to you? Like, I mean, how how did you feel about that? And I guess it was it was this, and it grew quickly in later in life. It it grew into this weird balancing act of like 
being taught and rightfully so that it's not something that you feel ashamed of because like different families have different circumstances but at the same time quickly abusing that to the point where like i would uh i didn't struggle like for example my first car was bought for me like i didn't i didn't pay a dime for it right right and i quickly became the hot running you know rich kid that would like race people places and like kind of show off and like I guess it was all this balancing act of on the outside acting like I was the goody two shoe kid that like my parents would always tell me, Oh, you know, you and your brothers, people always come up to us and say how, how nice of kids you are. Like you're so well behaved and this, that and the other. Right. And that would feed me as the older brother. I like, I wanted to fit the archetype of what my parents saw me as Mm -hmm. as responsible and, you know, nice to others and like a good little Christian kid. Right. Right. On the inside though, I would, live off that idea that i was like special and i'd kind of earned this like this this was mine and i i just got to take it you know use it for what it was i didn't really have to be at anyone else's uh um you know mercy kind of thing mm. i could just do my own thing and not have to like owe anyone anything um but that was wrapped up in what one of my main deceptions as a, as a younger kid um was and that was i remember very specifically when i was i think i was nine at the time nine nine years old and uh i'm i'm a giant geek so i'm one of whether it's video games or like you know comic book movies or anything else like that star wars yeah yeah if you know me it's like my house is decor is star wars entirely but you know we're gonna decorate this in tatooine <laughs> yeah yeah this oh, no, room that's... will be moss Eisley, and then we'll Oh, the bedroom will be the Dagobah system. Sorry. No, no, no. no. I, well, you say most Eisley, but like straight up, Tatooine is my son's nursery. Like, Yeah, huge mur- mural, all of it. But anyway, very proud of that part. <laughs> if, if you're listening to this and you don't understand that uh, that reference, good for you. Yeah, you have a life. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no um, but yeah, so so when I was a, a younger, um, uh, like nine or ten, I remember specifically being a nerd, I would uh, play these video games, and of course I wasn't patient, so I'd always be like, I gotta go find some cheat codes, I gotta find some website, I gotta, I gotta get through this game, because I just want to like complete it to say I did it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Adblock wasn't a thing I was aware of at nine, of course, mm-hmm. and you go to these sites, and it would always be super sketchy, because the ads would be very... Um, unfiltered there'd be tons of pop-ups everywhere right right and i think it was very early on at nine years old i was exposed to and this is i guess where i'd say like explicit warning or like something like that just to oh yeah we should have talked about that in probably said that before i don't think we said it in the we didn't say in the intro okay so we're gonna talk about some things on this podcast that are probably not for young ears like i say I haven't. I actually haven't gotten any flack on any of these or anybody saying anything crazy. Yeah. But just that's the warning. We're going to talk about stuff. Um, but continue then. Yeah, yeah. So um, at that age, uh, I I was exposed with in rapid succession one day of a lot of very hardcore pornography. Hmm. Um, and v- looking back, I was really I'm surprised even today that something like that was just in a casual pop up ad, but just like looping images with audio and everything like it was very much just from nothing and complete innocence of like barely not even being angry girls to like i've seen everything now like this is a lot and uh, i mean it immediately hit me and i was you know 
shut everything down, run away. Like, just like, that's scary. Like, I don't know how to handle that. Like, what's, what's going on here, you know? Because mm. you'd heard, like, conversation with friends joking around with something, maybe, but it was always so um, kind of foreign and off. It's like, yeah, it's something we'll deal with one day, whatever. Um, and then it's just staring you here in the face. Um, so that situation happened, and then I think a week or two uh, went by, and I kind of let that sit, and I kept thinking about it, and I kept, even in that moment, I kept feeling myself, like, drawn to keep exploring that, hmm. but, like, I literally didn't even know what it was called. Like, I understood sex, right? But, like, I didn't know it was pornography. I don't even know that term yet. I didn't oh, even wow. understand that's, that. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even know. Like, I remember... uh a little while later, um, sneaking downstairs to my dad's computer and looking up. And to look this up, I was so innocent, I actually didn't know the term, so I looked up real human sex. Oh, man. No joke. No joke. That was the that was the, that's the search engine hit terms that had to sit in my dad's computer, because obviously I'm not going to you know, hide that stuff, because I don't know how. Um and then just being inundated with these just over and over and over and over. And for a good while after that, I was just like, that was the only computer in the house. So it would just be that. And, you know, bless my dad. He had to deal with that because I eventually um, ended up causing it to be get a massive computer virus in his computer that would just have that stuff living on his computer. Oh, no. Just permanently, right? And I'm sure, I'm sure that caused more problems than I even realized between my mom and dad. Um, (laughs) yeah because my mom found it one day and she's like uh what in the world is this Uh um so sorry dad in in retrospect for the flack you got uh but they sat me down and they were just like hey you know was this you and of course i don't know what you guys are talking about yeah scared out of my mind i lied through my teeth i'm like no that's not me whatever uh and they you know for whatever reason they didn't call me on it they're like okay you know we believe you right yeah and then from that moment on, I mean, it, it set my relationship to sex, women, everything for the rest of my life up until, you know, freedom. Um, the perspective of how I saw who I was, who I was a slave to, and just this was a thing that I was just always, always going to struggle with. Um, and you felt pretty bad about it then. I felt terrible all the time. Like, I even, um, and to go a little bit more, you know, adult with it, but, like, I even remember the first time, uh, uh, like, masturbation, right? Right. I remember the first time, like, I felt guilty for, like, a month. Because it was, again, I was so young, I didn't even understand what it was. Like, what happened. Like, physically, what happened. Man, this is, like, I'm glad that you you said that because so many... It's like this innocent, we're, we're so innocent kids and this thing just comes for us and we get wrapped up in believing these lies about ourselves. While when it first started, you didn't know what the flip was going on. No, I had no idea. And I didn't even know like my relationship to sin and to like the commandments and everything. I didn't even realize at first, other than I, I didn't like the way it made me felt in the guilt i didn't even realize that what i was participating in was like sinning really that Mm. wasn't even like part of the conscious thought of it i just realized that like kind of probably how that that like an like an addict or a junkie like that first time it's like you hit that high 
and then it fades and then immediately you're like i need to hit that again and each time you go back it's less and less and less and there's more and more right and like that that cycle started immediately like because i you know it wasn't just on my phone it wasn't just wherever i was living i had to like sneak around to do it every time right i mean to the point where like you know a computer in a public space within the house wouldn't necessarily stop me and then it was a point where like well if i got caught maybe this would be a, a release because if i got caught maybe they i could finally be corrected and guilted enough into like stopping yeah we've touched on that on this podcast um the fact that shane will never actually get you to stop yeah and uh <laughs> i was talking to a buddy this last week and he was explaining how he can understand if real gospel is being preached mm -hmm. and he says real gospel has nothing to do with shaming somebody to stop yeah. or if he hears any kind any kind of just even a shame light or something <laughs> diet shame yeah like he's just like that is not it because like i've said before shame just brings resentfulness yeah. So many people are resentful towards God because they believe that God is shaming them when it's actually the enemy making them believe they are the thing that they did. Yeah. Um but that lie that oh one day you'll get busted and there'll be enough guilt for you to stop. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no. And it, I mean I literally did get busted at one point. It was I don't know, maybe a couple years later. And like, uh, I don't know if it was a communal computer I was using that it was found on or something, but I think my mom, oh no, okay, I, I remember. Uh, it was basically, I did it and then I found out that I hadn't like covered my tracks well enough. Uh -huh. And it was in a way, uh, I think it was on a shared device that I knew my mom was about to see it. I knew she was going to see it. Huh. And I knew it was like, in my head, it's going to break her heart because she's going to be like, man, you know, this sweet my innocent kid is just in this stuff right right so i just come to her and i'm bawling i you know i approach her and like i'm just a mess and just, i can't even get a word out and then i'm just letting this stuff spill out about like all these things and like you know hey you know a few years ago when uh you caught on the computer that was actually me and i've been this has been me and i've been struggling with this forever and uh just her prayed about it and she was uh, uh super understanding but like that moment i I simultaneously was like, oh, good, it's finally out. But then I'm like, but it's still here. Hmm. There was no release. Hmm. There was no release of that shame and guilt. It just kind of was on pause for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just, it wasn't building for a moment. But that didn't change. As I was like, I'm still me underneath, and I still have this this problem. And just because I've shared with someone... I was kind of uh, um, freed of uh, of the uh, idea that somehow sharing it was going to get rid of it like right away, and then then what you're left what are you left with right because right so after that basically I go through I'm in um, grade school because yeah nine ten um, and then I'm going through grade school and I'm noticing that as my friends are starting like noticing girls more and everything else. I have a hard time at a certain point. I couldn't even like look girls at the time like for long in the eyes. Mm. I couldn't like make eye contact in certain circumstances because like I just found my mind going to really dirty, dark places, like just in casual conversation. Like it, it, it messed me up because I, I was just like, I can't, 
there was there was the whole old, old thing about like bouncing your eyes, right? That mm-hmm, whole idea. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bouncing my eyes. It was literally like stare at the wall. Like if you lock eyes with this person, they're gonna like know everything about you. Like I I could not. Um. So that that made it hard because you're already awkward. You're kind of going through that you know middle aged um uh period. So you're already a little awkward. And then if you can't look at them, <laughs> right? It yeah it complicates things and then i'm i'm struggling because i know because of this addiction in the background i'm seeing them as like objects i'm not seeing them as people right and i hate myself for it but i can't have friendships and i feel like i can't let myself have friendships with with girls at all because i don't want to position them in that way Mm -hmm. but i'm also desperate to have what would be a normal relationship with another girl as a friend Mm-hmm. to somehow like kind of fix that right so i'm just kind of you know sad boy i'm just in my feels yeah <laughs> and i'm i'm there and uh that was kind of the end of grades or grade school um and then into high school i uh uh now mind you i should say the other side of this is i'm trying to not only have this persona of like the the good kid that my parents expect me to be and that the older sibling kind of the responsibility or anything even more so than probably they ever expected of me but i was putting on myself because i had to keep up appearances but i was also starting to project a little bit of like confidence and not cockiness i wouldn't say but just like being charismatic and trying to be outgoing enough that like people like me Hmm. um so i carry that into high school but in the realm of like i'm hanging out with guys i'm nerdy I'm awkward around girls more so that they they don't even understand why I am, but mm-hmm. I know why I am because I can't see them as anything other than this object. Um, so I'm struggling with that. Uh, and then throughout high school, I uh, uh, I continue on, and as things proceed, um, I eventually do get to the point where I have classmates and like this deep dark secret I'm able to tamp down enough that like I can kind of sort of have interactions with them that are normal. Mm. I can uh, I start hanging around friends at par- or like parties or just hanging out at my parents' house. Luckily, growing up, my uh, my parents were super willing to, and my mom was great about it, have all of my friends over all the time. Mm-hmm. So like our ha- house was a hangout spot. So everyone would come over there. Now, mind you, still mostly guys, and we're just playing video games and Call of Duty and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But like start to kind of have normal interactions. And... Uh, as things start to shift, I start to be like, oh, okay, maybe maybe I could start trying to, you know, date someone or having interactions. So I start interacting with different people in my class, um, different girls that are uh, interested in me. And I quickly find out that this persona of kind of the egotistical rich kid I'm putting on mm-hmm. leads me to end up being used by people that are e- like are willing to jump on the fact that I'm desperate to be liked because, mm. and uh, um, then I have like a couple dates and it ends up being like this girl um, that I was interested in. I went on a, a f- few different dates with her. We went out, we got like breakfast one time. We uh, um, caught a movie. You know, I'm super nervous because I think this is a freshman, sophomore year. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to work up the courage to finally like just kind of, you know, do the whole hand slide during the movie, like over mm-hmm. t- over to on top of hers. And then as I'm doing this, I remember the quick retreat 
like just pulled the hand like it was like a mousetrap went off it was just like <laughs> right back to the side and that crushed me because i it I was like two years in the making of building up to even be able to do that and it was something like in that moment i realized oh this was we were just hanging out because like I was, I was the kid that was always willing to pay for everything hmm. like i was the kid that was willing to like um you know go out to eat or to pay for the popcorn at the movie or the movie tickets or like have people hang out at my house or whatever else. And that's what this has been about. Like, yeah, I am the, uh, the, the part of me that I was hiding that um, kind of ogles them and treats them differently. That comes, that comes out. And the only ones that are actually willing to like interact with me in any serious way, or at least is the lie I was operating under mm-hmm. are the people that are willing to overlook that to get something monetarily out of me. Hmm. Um, and that was something I had struggled with is who of my friends growing up actually liked me for me mm-hmm. versus what I brought to the table for like things. Right. And that, I guess, just reaffirmed the lie that like I needed to hide it. I needed to kind of, people got to peek behind the curtain if they knew me well enough and they kind of like passed my test of, uh, they were genuine, but like otherwise, I, well, I say I I didn't want to like expose like my family's position and you know how much money they had and whatever else. But then at the same time, I would turn around and like the, <laughs> I, I'm all over the place. But I was remembering a uh, there's a situation in high school where um it was a uh, uh, uh school body election, uh-huh. and one of my buddies came up to me and he was just like, hey. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about running for treasurer of the class or for the school. Uh, would you run for president? And I'm like, well, the thing is, in two hours, or not even two hours, it was like an hour. It was like right after um one of the class periods, and they were gonna have like a, a morning worship and assembly, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, um, I'm like, I have nothing prepared. I know there's people that have literally wanted this for like a month and have been doing a ton of stuff, but I got money. So I'm just going to go around and promise everyone I'm going to bring like lots of food for everybody and like Mexican pastries if I win. And then I'm just going to go up there and ended up winging a speech about like, I'm the kid that's driving the Corvette around and like, you guys might know me around, uh, might know me only as that. But like, if you vote for me, I'll bring stuff for you. So like, did you do that? Yeah, I did it. So that was that your speech? That was my speech. Oh, mercy. verbatim. In fact, my <laughs> oh now my wife God. will tell you she thought I was kind of a douchebag. <laughs> mercy. In that moment. No, but I remember that so vividly um because there was someone else that was running for uh uh running for the same position. Um and when they heard I was running, it was like an hour before it happened, I found out that it made them like cry because they wanted to go for it and they knew that like I guess if I was running, like not to put words in their mouth or thoughts in their head, but like if I was running that they probably wouldn't win. Hmm. And like, yeah, that was, you feel that power. Yeah. I, it was power trippy. Right. Right. I was just like, yeah, I can do that. Like I have the right to do that. I don't feel bad. I, at the time I didn't feel a lick of guilt. I was just like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I want it. So there, there's the double-mindedness of like feeling like people aren't respecting me for me and it's just stuff and things. 
yet going on a power trip of just being like, yeah, I'm going to get up there and I'm just going to talk about how like I'm this kid that does this really showy thing, like drive around my dad's expensive sports car um, and not feel any guilt about it. And then just bounce between those two all day. <laughs> wow. So, so what did, what did, what did you really like at this time? We're talking like junior, senior in high school. Yeah. What was your truest belief about yourself? My belief at that time was I had an addiction that if I kept it under control, people wouldn't be able to see it. Um, but like I was. I was I had I had the kind of the weight of being like responsible in the um I guess the position of like I I basically had assumed of myself that my parents put more weight and responsibility on me being perceived as the good Christian kid mm-hmm. and the oldest sibling than I think they ever did. And that was basically my identity of like on the outside I needed to be all put together and have a um have a persona that reflected the boy they raised mm-hmm. and like the values they held and everything like that but on the inside i was basically living at their expense all the time and kind of going nuts kind of prodigal son style just kind of giving into whatever desire my heart was feeling at the time like whatever kind of perverted um, thought process I wanted to go down, I would just like give in. Cause at that point I'd kind of stopped trying to fight it. I mm. was just like, this is who I am. So like, I'm just going to project. I've got it all together and I I've made it and life is good on the outside and just let, let, you know, the old, the old grannies think I'm the, you know, the, the cute put together, like, um, uh, nice kid. Mm-hmm. And then my friends can think I'm just the the guy that's always willing to like um, shell out, and you know I can I can fit in with the you know my friends that are in the nerds. I can fit in with you know um, my general class and just kind of be a uh, uh, um, the kid that's a kid that's always like abiding, and everyone can have a good time with. But then in the inside, yeah, I'm just going to nurture this thing and just hate myself all the while. But you know that's life, I guess, and that's where I was at. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. No, it was not fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, and it it was it was kind of I guess living proof that just because you have the material stuff to uh, um, to give you all the answers in the natural, it didn't it didn't fix anything at all. Hmm. Um. So at this, so people probably would think you had zero problems because you had the credit card. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. In fact, this is probably getting ahead. But uh, my <laughs> the first time I met my future brother in law, it was uh, after a um, uh, a behind the school. They were doing like kind of a, a intramural kind of flag football, or just throwing around the football at that time. And I had a, a BMW at the time, an SUV. And I pulled up in this thing, and I get out. And I took three steps out of my car, and I remember hearing someone say, "Oh, here, here comes the rich kid." I immediately look and I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> like yeah. I'm out of here. Just like completely shut down. And just like, no. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I thrived on that understanding that like of the affirmation of 
people people knowing who I was, but yet I didn't want to be labeled as that. It was weird. That I mean, because people, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes with it. Yeah, like they they and it's like they hand you the baggage and you got to pick it up and carry it, and then it kind of becomes your own, right? Yeah, but no one wants to hear about the problems of a kid that's got everything. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, oh, what was you? You've you you haven't really had to fight for anything. If for I life. was in your position, you know what? Whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, it's like just shut up and deal with it, like everybody else does. Um, so that was that was uh most of high school. Although at the time, uh, eventually towards the end of high school, I met my now wife, um, Cameron, and so we started dating. Um, because I just broken up, uh, from a previous relationship, and uh, I was kind of at that position where like. I didn't know if I wanted to date anyone. I was kind of just, you know, I still got this thing in the background that's uh, looming large and um, I haven't had any better control over it. I thought maybe having a previous relationship would help, but really it just made it worse. Um, so I'm weighing that. And I remember one time my, uh, I was at home and mom's like, hey, so I heard this girl, um, Cameron, um, I heard through the grapevine that she's kind of interested in you. And I'm like, Really? Um, I'd previously, uh, been in a, uh, um, uh, theater play. We did, I think, Hello Dolly. Um, and I had been an understudy for someone that hadn't been able to, uh, uh, be there at a lot of the practices and she was playing the opposite role. So we danced together and I have no coordination at all, but she was super gracious with it. And so I immediately was like, Hey, maybe there's something here, but I was in a relationship. So I was like, ah, you know, shelve that for later. Right. <laughs> So, I I wasn't at that point, but I was just like, eh, maybe we'll revisit that, right? <laughs> and then after that ended, I heard that, and I um, heard my mom mention she was interested in me, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, here, mm-hmm. here's what we're gonna do, because on the uh, uh, um, at the time, and this was the end of junior year, I think, no, senior year of mm-hmm. high, uh, high school. I uh, play piano. Uh, that's one thing my parents or my mom specifically had made us do. It's like, you're going to play a sport, you're going to play an instrument. If you're playing an instrument, you're going to have to stick with it for a minimum amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. So I had been, at this point, playing piano for almost 10 years, mm-hmm. pretty much hating every moment of it. Because right. <laughs> I, I was had a deathly fear of playing in front of crowds. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I I didn't enjoy it. However... In my rebellious uh, nature of not wanting to play anything classical, I learned a bunch of contemporary stuff. So like Elton John, Billy Joel, Mm -hmm. everything like that. And one thing I knew about Cameron, or at least I had heard, is her family was really into Disney. They loved Disney. So I'm like, oh, hey, this is perfect. I've got an Elton John songbook, and in there is Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to learn this sucker. And then every every, uh, period... Um, where there's a, a downtime between like we had a chapel period and then a couple different classes. I'm just going to hang out in the chapel where there's a stand-up piano and I'm just going to keep rotating through these songs and like just keep playing them. And eventually she's going to walk in, right? <laughs> it's going to work. You laugh, but it works 100%. It took a while. It took a while, mind like, you. Uh, like, why does he keep playing Elton John? She, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I was just the Elton John and Billy Joel guy in the uh, in the chapel. Can I, you know... A weird to this day a weird music taste but anyway oh man i, I love those guys so yeah. you uh so I, I would play this song yeah i would keep rotating through it and then eventually she walks in um just kind of subtly slides in and sitting in one of the chairs there and then we kind of start singing a little bit with one of the songs and uh um and then eventually uh i kind of introduce myself we talk a little bit 
And then I think within that week, I asked her out on what I consider our first date. I don't think she does, but I do. Probably because I took her to get coffee, and she hates coffee. At least she used to. <laughs> took her to Starbucks. I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't picking up exactly what she was <laughs> feeling there. Mm-hmm. I took her out in the Corvette mm-hmm. because, of course, I had to show off, right? As I had been the entire time with lots of other girls, um, and uh, we had a great time. And then we were. I mean, we were dating within, I think, the month. There was, like, a junior-senior DC trip, and, like, we ended up dating during that, and we dated all throughout uh, the rest of high school until she graduated into college, and then a couple years into college, we were married, and then we've been together You got married since. while you were in college. Yeah, so that was uh, 20... So let's yeah. so let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. You're You're getting... What what kind of grades? What kind of like were you? Yeah, like what what was your what were you gonna do with your life? Good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so during high school, I was a hundred percent one of those kids where I could I could do well enough that like I never until senior year because we had one of those teachers that was insistent on preparing you for college, so like actually ramps up the difficulty level. Mm-hmm. Which looking back, grateful for, but um, at the time I hated it. But until at least the end of senior year, I could basically just last minute everything and mm-hmm. do fine. Sure. You know, minus the subjects I didn't understand, like math, and then I'd have good teachers that were super nice and would come in on Sundays to help us, tutor us, because mm-hmm. me and my entire class were terrible at it, so um, we would uh, fail at that. But other than that, we just literally, in the hallways, before class started, after school, not even after school, but before class started, <laughs> in between mm-hmm. classes, just last minute scribble everything out and squeak by like we were fine right Mm -hmm. um that changed in college though um so i took almost six years to finish college because in college the stuff i had been doing in high school of basically kind of living at the expense of like what my parents were freely giving me while all while also feeling guilty about it um kind of kind of the bill came to me so mm-hmm. I had a amazing and yet terrible freshman year where I uh, got to dorm with my best friend, Michael, and it was fantastic, but we both had the habit of sleeping in until like 10 or 11, basically every morning. Mm-hmm. And like, no, we didn't arrange our classes to accommodate that. Yeah. <laughs> so we would miss everything constantly. Uh, I think he, he got help thankfully um and straightened it out after freshman year because it put both of us in a giant hole and uh i ended up after first semester moving back home to stay there instead of dorming um but i it started a cycle of all throughout college of mind you i wasn't paying for it of course my parents were footing the bill Mm -hmm. so i'm not feeling the sting of it of not taking any classes seriously enough to the point where like i just wouldn't show up i wouldn't do work I would like fall into depression and just like cycle just over and over of like, you know, budding up to my professors and basically uh, like I was a people pleaser. So I always wanted to please like, um, especially adults in my life um, and be super honest with them. It's like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Like, sorry, I haven't shown up. Like this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. And all of them had more than enough grace to like understand, but grace in that point from their the way they were offering it wasn't what I needed. What I needed was a, a, a wake up, hmm. but I wasn't getting it. I was just, you know, kind of throwing myself on their mercy, 
getting getting uh getting a second shot and then just not even trying with that hmm. so as i was going through college mind you um cameron and i are dating and then um uh a little into call uh, a few years into college we're married um i'm still struggling just as much much with my lust and um just as much with uh abusing what i've been given as a free gift so no, yeah not taking school seriously not taking um and you get depressed about it i get depressed i would i would i would not show up hate myself for it use that as a reason to feel bad to not show up to more classes and then maybe i'd catch like an afternoon one and that was for a good year and a half i think cycle uh what, like what was your plan i didn't have one I don't I don't think I had one cuz I was just I was I was studying I changed I changed my it was always a business degree but I changed my focus a whole ton from marketing and small business and all this stuff. Let me ask you this question. Just yeah. this. You're did you think that getting married like when you got married was that like okay I've arrived at this thing that everyone kind of thinks about all throughout high school or maybe even longer in life and now I'm married like what did did that put any pressure on you or like completion like oh i have this thing like how did that because i don't know a lot of people that get married in the middle of college yeah i i don't know if it did anything to like thinking like i've arrived or like you know i've accomplished something as much as just like despite all of the internal like struggles and like addiction and everything else i had going on I was just like, I know she's a good thing for me. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I would constantly, and you know, obviously still today, but back then I would say like, you're, you're such a good person. Like you're so kind, you're so caring. You're so like always doing for others. Like you, you think of others first. Right. And I, I would just see that and I'd be like, and she was in her spiritual life. She was trying, like she was actually like putting effort in where I, I kind of checked out a long time before that. Um, so I was just like, maybe some of that will rub off on me. Maybe that'll mean that like I'll pick up on some of that and it'll mean that like I'll kind of find this missing piece to the uh, um, to the faith that I didn't have on my own. Because I guess my, my belief in God, Jesus, you know, Adventism, all of it, I guess my belief in it had always been intellectual and I never had doubted it to like the fact that it was always a fact. Hmm. It was just was, you know, but other than a brief little stint in high school where it's kind of mountaintop experience, like I had never really had it affect my life. Like I kind of, um, I wouldn't talk to it in until very recently. I couldn't use, I wasn't comfortable using God and Jesus in a sentence with someone other than just literally talking about church. Like if I was mentioning a sermon or something, like it would, I couldn't do it. I couldn't mm. say it out loud. Um, Cause it was almost like I was using his name without understanding the weight of it. So like I wasn't allowed to. Wow. Yeah. So did your wife like, or your girlfriend and then becoming your wife, how mm. much of this stuff did she know? Did you open up to her about depression or, yeah, you know, the grades or lust or anything like that. Yeah, well, she she knew in a couple aspects, I guess. I, I would I would tell her about missing classes. I remember, you know, even specific instances where, like, you know, I'd sleep in super late and I'd take a super late shower if I even showered, 
and then like call her up crying like hey you know i've missed a bunch of classes again today like i don't know what i'm doing and she'd she'd try to understand best she could but she wasn't in that space and like didn't kind of know how to handle it and then i quickly learned oh i'm just dumping my problem on her expecting her to fix it Hmm. so i'm gonna quit burdening her with it and just stop saying anything so i kind of started just internalizing it and not saying anything um and there really wasn't a whole lot of people i was sharing it with um so i just kind of was like well i gotta deal with this i'm just gonna keep moving forward and maybe you know basically i thought that and she didn't know anything about like lust or anything like that no 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 she was uh it wasn't her it wasn't something she was that familiar with so she was just like no like she's not gonna relate so i'm not gonna say anything after that um did you feel lonely in some ways in that in that aspect like you're in your own mind and heart and looking at it and yeah yeah because i i almost felt like i was gonna like I was going to mess up something for her. So like that part, I've just got to like tuck away and like, I've got to solve it before I can open that door hmm. like, before that can be shared. It's got to be, it's got to be taken care of first. And like that kind of carrot on the stick of it will be taken care of someday, but it's definitely not going to be now. Man, I relate, man. It's just like, I think this is what the advice I gave to most guys was because there was this guy at union and he was pretty open about it Mm -hmm. and he told his girlfriend about it and she broke up with him and i was always in the mindset of like yo this is your thing to deal with so deal with that like this is not your girlfriend or your wife's responsibility um and i still think that way but i think i mean there wasn't i don't know there wasn't a lot of life in it because it was just about managing this thing Mm -hmm. and what we're going to do to manage it and every man's battle, bouncing your eyes, all the strategies that I had. Um, But yeah, I would have been like, nah, bro, don't like, that's... Keep it to yourself, shut (laughs) up. Like, this is a problem (laughs) that all of us men have and we're going to have it forever, so let's just figure out how to deal with it and not bring our wives into it or... You're, you're grabbing an accountability partner and figure it out. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And I'm not saying having an accountability partner is bad. And I've had uh, like awesome success with mm-hmm. people and, and pouring into people, but it's different. Yeah. And and, and maybe, I mean, we'll be discussing why it would be different. And yeah. you've probably heard that on previous podcasts. But yeah. So you're, uh, you're married now mm-hmm. and low key hating yourself for not showing up to class, depressed. Yeah still dealing with this thing in the background. Did you think that marriage was going to fix it? Or what did you think about that? No, because I kind of knew that, like, even when we were dating, like, sharing a little bit, um, that it wasn't wasn't going to be the kind of the magic, uh, um, the magic solution that was going to fix all these problems. I kind of knew. I I thought maybe at least on the temptation side, being married, like, you know, as far as sex is concerned, like, would be... It would help ease the temptation of it because mm-hmm. there'd be that outlet and I wouldn't have to always like, you know, every release for that previously had always been like, well, it's got to have some guilt to it because it's not within a marriage and everything else. Like it, I know like that experience was not separated from guilt ever, hmm. ever in my life. Like sex or you know, orgasm or whatever, like 
had not been separated from the guilt and shame that came with it for a single experience in my entire life. So, man, that's so heavy. Yeah. Like we're associating this thing and I know like like even I'm not like even how you just said it. It's like this thing that's been given to us by God and it's lovely and the enemy is just like I'm going to take it. Yeah. I'm going to flip it and I'm going to make this good thing that he's given you. I'm going to make it bad. So even every experience that you have with it, because I'm going to wrap it around in a bunch of lies, I don't want to make it horrible for you. Yeah. And he like he does it with every good thing. Yeah. He does it with family. He does it with the Sabbath. He does it with just any name a good gift. The enemy is going to try to just flip it and make you feel some type of way about it. And so, yeah. So that was a. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that had always been the experience. So I knew that, like, I was still going to struggle with this thing because I, I didn't expect it to go away. But I expected at least some of that guilt and shame in those interactions within marriage wasn't going to be there. But what I quickly found out was maybe in that moment, if I could, like, distract myself enough or, like, not not get in my own thoughts, it wouldn't be. But then at the just around the corner afterward, it would it would come back. Because then now it wasn't that like, oh, this interaction you participated in is should bring you guilt. It was you're not deserving of this. Oh. You haven't earned this. Like you 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 tarnished this thing a long time ago. What what gives you the right to to have that happiness now? Cause you you no. Like so that would that would be the, the constant back and forth of like not propped up by like any truth from God, but from my own self from me telling myself like, no, no, you're good. You're like, this is okay. Like you're at a point where you can, this is fine now. And then coming back and being like, no, she, she doesn't deserve this. Like she has no idea Hmm. what's going on in the background. So no, she, she doesn't need this. So then you're, you're going on through Mm -hmm. and, uh, what, getting towards the end of college. What now, now you're deciding, Oh, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. I, I have a feeling. And you tell me if I'm wrong. You always believe that you were intelligent enough. Yeah, yeah. And th- I guess that was uh, more of the guilt was that I knew I had the natural skill to do what I was aiming for, at least degree-wise, like, you know, career-wise. I knew I could. Because mm. um, I think if there would have been the whole thing of, like, I didn't ha- I had the inability to do it, I could have gave myself a little bit of a pass. Like, uh, the natural ability isn't there, like... It's okay. I just haven't found my calling. I was just like, no, I know what I'm good at. I just can't do it. Like I have an incapability of committing myself enough to do this thing because like I just don't think enough of myself or I don't like I don't want to put in the effort. I don't want to put in the time like I'll just be in that cycle. So it's getting towards the end of college. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's getting towards the end of college and um I keep getting this nagging feeling that as this is ending, one, that that graduation is like kind of the top of this mountain that like I am just going to, I just have this feeling it's like, man, if if I get to walk and like get my diploma, I'm just going to burst out crying, man. Mm. Because like I, this just, this thing is insurmountable because it's just, Every every extra semester, every extra class I have to roll over is just another thing confirming that it's like you don't have it. 
Like, this did, isn't going to be did you. Did people like your classmates that saw, oh, he's not graduating with us, or mm-hmm. like, did did they ever ask you about it, or like, was there just extreme shame that was added to that, or like, yeah, well, there was always some lie or convenient out about like, oh, I'm shifting my major, or I'm you know refocusing on this, or oh, well, I got this now, and I'm just going to tack on this other thing. So there was there was always some out. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and the other part being married a couple years into college, like I already didn't, I wasn't before marriage when we were engaged and dating, I wasn't exactly going to all the social events anyway, because I was one of the kids that grew up literally within six blocks of the campus for my whole life. So I was kind of like, yeah, you're, you're going to the Omaha zoo. I've seen that a million times. Oh, you're going to this event. Like I didn't, I wasn't super close to my class cause I wasn't on campus. Yeah. So like I was kind of married one and we had each other but then also like kind of homebodies anyway so like as far as classmates knowing once once the people i went to high school with in the same class that i went through the whole thing graduated mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of people around to be like hey what's going on anyways mm-hmm. so I was isolated you know um so that was that experience but as as college kind of started coming to an end I kind of found myself like the writing was on the wall. It's like, I got to figure something out. Cause once this is done, like, you know, I'm not going to have a professor that's going to take pity on me. You know, when I, when I need to get a job, like there was, there was always the elephant in the room in the background of like, well, maybe my parents can help me out there too. And like, I'll just kind of coast by and I'll be okay. Um, and just bail me out again. But I was just like, you know, like how long am I going to live in this? You know what I mean? Like how, how long am I going to feel like I'm, I have no worth like I haven't attributed to anything or done anything. Um, so as college came to an end, I think it was my like second to last semester. Um, I ended up taking a class on like small business management, like entrepreneurship. And I, when I was a little kid, I always had this idea of like admiring my dad for starting his own company and being like, man, I want to be my own boss. And the cool thing with that is my dad was always very for, uh uh, forward with it like hey if you're your own business owner like there's a lot of benefits but a lot of stress and a lot of uh, um, uh, responsibility that comes with that and you have to you have to know what you're getting into because especially as you grow more people are joined it stops just becoming your problem and it starts being like you can't just kind of can't mess around and with other people's livelihoods you know what i mean Right, like people are dependent on you, so you've got to you got to take it seriously. Like, and you got to work hard. You got to work really hard. And I had always been under this lie that I didn't want to. I didn't want to be the person that spends all their time working and drifts apart from their family and their spouse, and then just kind of like makes that my entire life, like mm. work. I I had always been afraid of that. Like I was going to become this guy that like just my my life was my job and nothing else would be would matter until it all just kind of crumble. So I had that fear. But then I also had that drive of like I need to prove I'm worth something. I need to like have something I can point to and be like I did that. Like that's that's my accomplishment. So I took this class and I'm just like I'm writing up a an outline for a, a a business like a store idea I had, and I just kind of had this idea. It's like, no, that's I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start a company. Like I'm gonna do it, hmm. and that's gonna I'm gonna pour all my time and all my energy and frustration 
into this thing and then it's going to be it's going to be the one good that really like I can point to it's going to be you know my identity basically um so out of college um college ends I have a a, a marketing job at my dad's company for a little while um and then eventually I'm like okay I'm going to do this like enough I spent about a year the year after college there and I'm like enough enough messing around enough preparing like I just need to pull the trigger um, and that was 2018, January of 2018. Um, I officially started a company and we do tech stuff in home. So basically setting up, you know, speakers and TVs and, you know, security mm-hmm. systems, smart tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and I launched that and first couple of projects were like family members and then kind of friends and some acquaintances. And eventually it kind of took off, but it still was the business itself became a slave to the fact that it was directly tied to my ego and pride of how people perceived me. Hmm. So if the business and you get some grace, especially, you know, first couple of years owning a business, like people aren't expecting you to be, you know, the next Microsoft, like you're not going to explode immediately. Like people don't expect that. However, they expect you to be putting in the work and the effort that comes with having to start something like that and bootstrap a business. So I had to have the perception that I was putting 110% into it mm-hmm. and kind of in my head that I was putting in the effort I didn't put in college. Hmm. So like I had to make up for it. I had to like, yeah, I had to get back that time I lost. So I started doing that and, and really making a go of it. But at the same time, my addiction is getting to the point where, like, I and my addiction, and then my depression too. Um, that's just kind of low key been in the background. Right. That like, I'll I'll do proactive stuff that I I only was doing things for my business that reflected on me personally. So like, if a customer would call, for example, I would all I would go bend over backward to make that they make sure that they were as happy as possible. Mm-hmm. But like, if the inverse happened, where it was just like. I've got to really, really try to go out and get new customers and like get people to come in. I would find myself just like defeated. I would just like kind of give up because hmm. honestly, to that point, I hadn't I hadn't struggled for anything. I hadn't had to work hard like a day in my life, right? right? And this grand idea of me being this person that would work my butt off at all times, despite the circumstances, kind of fell apart. So this thing is just kind of floating along for the first. Um, first couple years and then eventually slowly um at the end of 2019 it actually starts getting some traction i start doing some uh construction for new uh doing new houses and a couple big um existing houses and some big jobs making some good money Mm -hmm. and right at the beginning of 2020 i had four straight months of the best on on paper the best money the company had ever made Mm -hmm. and i was i was feeling good i was like this is it it's I've made it. We're doing great. At that time, we, uh, um, Cameron and I had just had our, our first son. So, like, I was like, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm getting used to, or um, didn't just, yeah, 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 <laughs> two years old. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just had just had him. And, like, we... Um, what did you attribute this success to, do you think? I I just thought it was a, it had been enough time. I think I thought, so at the time too, I couldn't, I was a people pleaser. Yeah. Uh, Where I couldn't say no to anyone because it was all about how they viewed me. So I started dumping money into advertising. Money I frankly didn't have. Mm 
Hmm. So I was thinking, oh, people are seeing the ads. People are like hearing about jobs I'm doing. So it's just it's just momentum. It's just building on itself, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just like, yeah, it's just I I've I've made it. I'm not out of debt completely yet. I you know I'm not in, in the green because I'm spending a lot on advertising and a bunch of stuff I don't frankly need. But you gotta spend money to make money. So it it's working, right? So that was the beginning of 2020 and the first uh, uh, couple months and then the previous of 2019, the couple months, I was I was cloud on top of cloud nine. Um, then I had a uh, thought, well, well, now I got to ramp it up because now things are getting serious. I need to like I've been uh, luckily uh, my parents and my dad were gracious enough to let me use a small little office that oh, small. It was bigger than any starter office usually ever is. Uh, but uh, office in my dad's building for his company. I was using that for a while. I was working for home for a while. And I was like, well, I'm adding advertising because I have the extra money to do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want my office space. That's been my dream for my business. I just want my own space, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to ha- I want my name on that door and I want my name on that sign when you drive in, right? Mm-hmm. So I go through the process of getting a office building and or uh, office space and I, I signed the lease for this guy week one of March of 2020. What what could happen? What could happen? It's just right? it's just gonna be it's money just, making money for you. Yeah, it's just a five year lease on a space that's crazy expensive. Even if you're in a if you were in a business that's been doing great for like 15 years, this space would have been ridiculous. Let alone a single employee, two year old business with like just the start of a promise of maybe some consistent revenue (laughs) yeah yeah right i was i was whoo man um so i get this space and we start on it and then of course and then all the advertising ramps up and those are all year-long contracts so i'm locked into those suckers for 12 months and then covid right mercy and covid was very obviously crazy hard especially on like small business owners especially if you're in hospitality um construction had a little boom actually in the middle of the summer um but it it would have been hard if i had been healthy and had cash reserves anyways but Hmm. i didn't and it was way harder because of it so uh i think at the time i heard like during that period it was like a third of businesses around the area were going under or some small businesses of that size you know, most businesses don't make it past five years. So I was just like, well, we'll, we'll see how this goes, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was um, a, one of the many bad decisions along that track. But at that time, I had also determined in the peak of like December, January beforehand that this was, I was doing so well, I needed to finally treat myself and get an employee. I need somebody like we've got enough. Yeah, I know it keeps it keeps building, man. The, the Jenga tower just keeps stacking. So I'm like, I need somebody, man. I, I need I need someone to help out with this. So I was looking. I started I love in like this December. Story, man. I just love it because it's just like you see the train coming off. And I'm well, just... it's, it's it's because of like how good God is. Yeah. Like all this stuff is happening in your life. And I don't want to spoil the story because because I know the end of the story, but it's just like it all seemingly was just it's about to start sucking, but it's like yeah, setting you up. Look. You're like it's the setup right now. Oh yeah. 
Sorry, no, I'll no, let you. I'll let you set it up. It's I'm, just I'm hilarious just, to me. I'm just verbally building the tower of chairs <laughs> I'm standing on top of right now. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. I, employee. What? Who, who could you find? Yeah. Who could I find? Um. So mind you. Uh. Especially later on when I did a little bit more reading after the fact, I realized that like you, the recommended like income range of like having a single employee with like benefits and payroll and everything is like 150 to 250 thousand dollars a year. I was nowhere near that, even for myself, because I wasn't paying myself, because I had mommy and daddy's money to back me up, so I didn't need to pay myself a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, and I always think of the office quote when Oscar is talking to Scott, if you've <laughs> seen The Office, where he's like, are you ready to not cut yourself a paycheck for like five years? That's true. Uh-huh. But I was in no position to hire anyone, let alone that. Uh, but I was determined. So even when things started turning south in March, I was like, I've already been on this track. I'm going to hire someone, heck or high water. Like, this is happening. So I start looking around, and at that time, my brother-in-law mentioned um, these uh, Bible studies that actually Tyler was leading at uh, um, Call Jew Church. And in them, he heard the uh, story, he just he said story, he didn't really give any details, of this guy who apparently was starting a smart home company in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I should meet up with him just to talk to him, because he was, you know, ex-Aventist pastor and all this stuff. Uh, so I'm like, oh, cool, yeah, I'll hit him up. So I, uh, I had it, and I still have it to this day, in my calendar, I have a appointment for uh, March that says, like, me... Eddie question mark competitor <laughs> at a scooter's coffee shop in Lincoln. And so I met Did up. you did you contact him? I did. I did. I, I reached out and it was just like, hey, you know, I heard about you. Let's let's just grab coffee. I'd love to talk. It was just that. And I was even like Googling, like, hey, you know, when you meet meet up with a competitor in a space, like, what do you like what do you say what you don't say like what's the game here like i don't want to give up too much because honestly i'm like one of the only companies in this industry in the area i have a very that's the other thing too is like the amount of work and advantage i could have had if i actually applied myself more and wasn't like so much in my feelings the entire time uh being the only competitor in a space Mm -hmm. in a town that has the people that actually are interested in your product Mm -hmm. versus what I was actually doing Mm -hmm. is why people would come to me and I basically wouldn't have to do a lot of work to get new business. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's the new guy in this two person, this tiny pond where I've been floating on my own. And then he drops in and I'm like, "Uh, okay, well, we're going to feel this out now. Mm -hmm. So I meet up with this dude, super pleasant. I, I immediately am just like, yeah, I like him. He's hey, cool. Brother. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's up, brother Addison? <laughs> yeah, if he would have called me brother, then I'd be like, oh, geez, okay, bolt. Um, <laughs> oh, what's up, Mr. Collins? Mr. I don't, Collins. That's oh, my Eddie impersonation. No, he calls you. He calls you Mister. Your first name, Mister Addison. Mister Addison. There you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we meet up, and I'm like, this dude's cool. Yeah, you know, he kind of talked to you. Used to be Adventist pastor. He really didn't explain too much else besides that, and just yeah, he explained he used to live in like a um, in Georgia. He did three years there doing a, another smart home system for nice houses around there, and he did you know uh, electrical cabling and all this specific stuff. And yeah, I was just like, oh, this is cool. Um, like it was nice catching up with you. I didn't really feel threatened. I was like, cool, yeah, mm-hmm. um, we'll we'll be in touch, you know. And then I leave. And that was March, and then. I uh, uh, I kind of think on it a while, and I'm still looking for an employee, and a couple months go by, and I'm just, I keep thinking on this, and at, at this time, I should I should clarify that, like, I'm not 
actively praying anymore. I'm not really like, like I go to church mainly because at the time my wife wanted me to go to church, but not really into it. You know, I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm just there. Um, and it was one of those things like, oh, we'll do it for our son. We want him to have a good example. So he'll see us in the pews and it'll, it'll, and then he'll love Jesus. He'll love Jesus, you know? And so I was along for the, I was along for the ride. Yeah. Um, so that was where I was at. So, I, but I just had this really like strong feeling, um, as far as I could tell at the time, just like, man, whoever I get needs to basically have the exact resume of this dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just like, he's perfect. Like, I, I, I like talking to him. He's easy to get along with. He has prerequisites of like a position in a field where no one else exists. So I'm pretty much going to have to create the, the job description myself like from scratch, because no one else, you know, I have a heck of a time cl- classifying my business on, you know, Google My Business, let alone <laughs> coming right. up with a job description for something that almost isn't a thing. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm basically going to like position my, or create my job description based on this dude. And uh, and I'm like, yeah, this this is it. It's like, I even find myself lamenting. It's like, man, it's too bad he ha- he started a company before I could hire him because like he would have been perfect. And like if we just talked earlier, but I'm like, whatever. It was a good conversation. Um, and then a little, a couple weeks later, I'm I'm finding myself like things are starting to downturn. Um, the housing market and uh, new construction and just home services like like landscaping and like cabinet re- or cabinetry and remodeling is booming because all these people have money but are stuck at home now because of COVID, and yet mm-hmm. I'm not seeing any of it. Mm-hmm. I should be booming too, but I'm I'm dragging, so I'm depressed about that. And it's almost like the hire is going to be like a a, a, a endorphin hit. I'm going to be like, yeah, I feel like I'm accomplishing someone by spending more money for hiring them, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I got to do this. Like it, the clock is almost running out, which it should have been the exact opposite, you know, stopping. But I'm like, the clock's running out. I got to do this. Uh, and out of desperation, I just kind of find myself like not even praying. It's almost like thinking to God. I'm just like, hey, like I need someone here because I'm going to get more business because of course I'm going to get more business, you know, new normal, right? Of my previous high from the beginning of the year. I need somebody. And then I got that very week. I got a call from him, um, and it just he just straight up said, "Hey, I've I've got this impression. I don't know if he used impression or he's like I've been told. Um, I don't know how guarded he was with the language at that time, but he was just like, "Hey, I've got this feeling like I'm supposed to come work for you, so I'm gonna drop everything. I'm gonna close up shop for my company. You guys can buy us for a dollar or literally zero cents. It doesn't matter." And I'm going to close up shop and I want to come work for you. Let's just, let's talk, you know, details. And he just told you, he just straight up, he left a voicemail on my phone saying that he didn't even, he didn't even wait till I picked up. Mr. Addison. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, dang. And you know, I'm I'm expressing this to Cameron and she's just like, yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like hit him up, like call him back. And at this time I'm, I'm just new office space is finished up. I think it's the first week of June actually. And I'm, I'm just kind of like sitting at this one single like chair in this empty office and like on the phone, like calling him back up and trying to negotiate like how much I'm going to pay him, which is the first time I'd ever done that with anyone, of course. So I'm just like, yeah, how's X dollars an hour? Well, what about this one? Well, I got to, you know, I'm wanting to get a house, whatever. But I had peace about it. Like, it doesn't matter if I pay him too much because like one, I'm already in debt and it doesn't matter because I can't afford it anyway. And <laughs> that's the truth. I wasn't, I wasn't letting myself think. 
But the other one was just like, nah, it's worth it. Like, I, I didn't know why, but I was just like, he's worth it. Like, just do it, mm. you know, whatever it takes. So I'm like, okay, cool. I feel pretty good about it. I feel confident. And then he starts, he comes in um, for, this is the, this is, yeah, he starts later. And so this is like July, the end of July, he starts and then uh, he's there two weeks. And in those two weeks, the second day, so the first day, I just talked to him, introduced myself. We got to know each other. Second day, we come in and I'm just like, hey, you know, I don't have any specific work for you to do for clients because things have really started to take a, started to take a downturn. But I'm going to like kind of put you to work. So uh, we got these outlets we got to put in. We got, you know, of course, I need to make all the light switches and outlets in this office space fancy. Because it's, just, because it's fancy. Yeah, it's smart. smart. Yeah. Smart homes. Gotta have but, smart but, but also, I, I've like... I've got to look the part, right? Right. The light switches is not what anyone, any customer is going to come in and judge me on. But like, if those suckers like, are oh, look at those light switches. Oh man, I will those, give you all my business. <laughs> those decor switches really show you're high class, right? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, anyway, so I'm like, dude, yeah, can you put in these? We're gonna run these wires. So he starts doing that. I sit down on my laptop and I open up my computer and uh, I uh, uh, I read this article. And as I'm reading this article. I stopped dead in my tracks and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up. Who did I just hire? Right? Oh, you'd searched his name. I on the searched internet. his name and his name autofilled, and that's not a good sign. Uh, <laughs> at least I didn't think it was. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't panic. I shut my laptop, like, you know, very practiced motion, mind you. Mm-hmm. I shut my laptop real quick and I'm like, okay, he didn't see anything. We're good. Um, Then. Then I uh, quickly, nonchalantly, go about the rest of the day. I think it was like three in the afternoon or something like that. And pretend like, you know, nothing's amiss, uh, internally screaming. (laughs) And then I get home and I'm talking to uh, Cameron and I'm just like, hey, uh, so this happened. I hired this dude. I literally got done giving him the keys to my office and the keys to the only work van I have in vehicle for the company. And uh, just instinctively, I just trusted him enough to like give a brand new employee this, you know, the keys to the kingdom, if you will, and without thinking of it. And then I find this stuff out and hear all this news. Um, and then she, being level-headed, and obviously spirit speaking through her, was just like, "Hey, give him a chance." Like you've heard from uh, her, her brother, my brother-in-law, Aaron. She's just like, "Yeah, you've heard that through them that he's got a good story." So just like sit down and listen and hear him out. And I'm like. Yeah, that that's very level-headed. Were you aware of love reality at all at this point? No, I had no idea. I never... Ne- well, I had one previous interaction with them, which went as far as someone not knowing it was related to it, um, went to a Bible study led by Tyler and Morgan, or Tyler at that time, I think, and came back with a, a sheet of like lies and truths about you and identity, and we just spent like 20 minutes roasting it. <laughs> that was... <laughs> That was that was back. Like, in, this is so stupid. <laughs> that was back in March of that year. Um, actually, yeah, shortly before I met Eddie. So that was uh, the only interaction I had, and That's... I didn't even know it was directly tied to love reality. I just knew it was a CVC or a College View Church um, Bible study. Or what, not? What Bible did you, study. Why? Why were you roasting it? Just something because it, it went against the traditional norms. Now, mind you, it's not like any of us had been like deep in our Bibles before that enough to like argue the theological points of it we were just like yeah that sounds whack because x y and z and you gotta try more and there's more effort involved and everything else so some friends 
who are in a much better place now, uh, brought it to us um, way back earlier that year. But that was my only interaction with Love Reality at all beforehand. Um, awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so we're um, uh, uh, we're talking, and I'm you know I pray about it again. I come back and I'm like praying. I'm just like, you know, I uh, uh, I'm just gonna trust. I'm just gonna trust. Like Cameron's saying, trust you. I'm gonna trust you. Like sure, let's do this. Um, what I had to lose, right? And you know, I'm not too worried about it. He's my only employee, and he's soon gonna find out I'm broke anyway, and I'm gonna have to fire him probably sooner than later. So who cares? <laughs> like wow. being so, but like being defeatist and like. So this very, was literally kind of a dark. Oh yeah, you're man. you're in a dark place. I'm in a dark place, man, and I, I'm I'm hiding it really well. Like I'm I'm not because you're excited about the business. I'm excited, yeah, because it's it's the one shining point. Like I'm excited about the business. I'm excited that like. It's giving me something to focus on, so I feel better about myself when I'm home with uh, Cameron and my son and me. So I feel like I'm worth more. So I'm I feel like I'm treating her better. I'm a new I'm a new dad, so I'm I'm excited and like that's the other bright point in my life is my son is like being a dad. So like those are those are highlights in all of this that like I can cl- like the, my lifelines. I'm clinging to like I'm a dad. I'm a better husband right now. Or at least I thought I was being, and like I'm being successful in my business and like the main one being successful in my business and that was fueling the other two. So, but still you think the business is going to fail pretty soon. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling myself it's working, but like in reading the writing on the wall, I'm like, there's so many, I'm seeing other businesses that are so much better positioned and like run by people I really, really admire struggle to the point where they might not make it. And I'm like, if they're not going to make it, I'm not going to do well. Right. But like, that's the kind of, kind of the shadow in the corner of the room you don't want to look over there so you're just going to keep plowing ahead and pretend it's not there and don't let yourself think that you know what i mean because that's Mm. that's the end like don't don't go down that rabbit hole you know right because from my depression episodes in college i realized like you go down that rabbit hole and it's hard to pull yourself out right so don't even don't even play around the edge of that like just stay away from it Mm -hmm. so that's where i was at um so i i go to bed that night i get up in the morning i come in and i just determined that like from my wife's advice, um, I determined like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like kind of accuse him. Like, hey, why didn't you tell me all this stuff before I hired you? I'm just gonna nonchalantly, because again, I'm a people pleaser. I like to make people happy. I want to be like, hey, uh, I've heard you got a cool, cool story. Can you share? Like, to let me know. What's up, man? Tell me your story. Yeah, but the only other thing I knew about him, uh, as heard, is he was a talker. So I literally blocked out the entire morning. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're getting in. It's like eight thirty or nine. I'm gonna give us to like eleven or like you know eleven thirty or something like that. And then we ended up talking to like one. But <laughs> but yeah. So he just lays out his this crazy story of who he used to be and how radically changed the the gospel what radical change the gospel brought into his life and what it did for his marriage and what it did for him as a father and like just the power of god for a changed transformed life and i'm just listening to him unpack all this and like i'm not at least i didn't think at the time i was showing it but i'm just like kind of in disbelief a little bit like is he over exaggerating is he being super like is is there like details here he's leaving out or something right and then just be like no he's super sincere like there's there's no there's no lie there like this is this is legit um and i was prepared for that i guess because i knew from other people hearing that he was sincere and uh little bits of his story not much so i hear this and i'm just like 
Wow. Well, I trust you now because I, I feel like you're super honest and almost you said a bunch of stuff that no one would say. about. Themselves. No one would ever say about themselves. Like even I remember the first month after I hired him, like there was there was bits where he would make a joke. It's just like, yeah, you know, I used to be this guy. Man, I was such a, you know, I think in his language, he would say jerk. But reading between between the lines, it would be like a POS. Like yeah. I'm such a terrible uh, or not. I'm such a I used to be such a terrible, rotten person. And this is what I think. And it would make me uncomfortable because I'm like, how can you say that about yourself, man? Like, man, that's that's a lot. Like, that's tough. Or it was in the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just like, yeah, obviously you're changed because you can be so open about this. So that really struck me. And I was immediately like, okay, dude, like you're you're the man for the job because obviously you're, a, you know, kind of born again Christian. And you're really, uh, I think I straight up uh, and he gave me so much credit after the fact deservedly so i think i straight up called him a jesus freak (laughs) yeah and mind you in my head with my background i never i almost i meant it jokingly and almost like admiring him because i literally couldn't use god in a sentence with someone Mm -hmm. without being uncomfortable because i literally couldn't say the words because i i just it felt like perverted coming out of my mouth like how could i use that right other than in very very specific situations where i'd be talking about like church or something or right, you know whatever right, right. i just couldn't talk about it it was it didn't it didn't sit with me and yet he was sharing everything and i'm like you're like a jesus freak but like i wish i was hmm. but there's also a lot of other connotation with that phrase right probably mostly negative um but you know he had the grace to not be weird about it he was just like cool um so yeah, so that happened, and then over the next two weeks, because um, the other part of this is I hired him, and he told me he was going to have to take a month off, two weeks into employment, <laughs> and for some reason, again, yeah, Holy Spirit, at the time, I, I thought I was just being naive because I was out of it because of all this other stuff going on, I said yes. Yeah. Um, like, sure, man, cool. Sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was a people pleaser, so I guess that falls right in right in my MO, but I was just like, yeah, sure, cool, take off, like, whatever. Um. So this two weeks happens, we're fixing up the office and getting stuff ready. And I start sharing with them kind of the last year, not as not as openly about like these are the addictions and struggles I've had and this is everything else and um whatever, but I start sharing with him about uh another thing that happened in my life, which is I used to be very conservative politically mm-hmm. and then college rolled around, I became very liberal politically. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of died off being even as liberal as I used to be, and I was kind of more liberal but kind of in the middle ground Mm -hmm. mainly because there was a period a year before that where i realized my politics and my religion were in such ironclad strong separate boxes that they did not inform each other in what whatever aspect i could have a political opinion that by its conclusion would be very uh very hurtful to groups of people or whatever else and i would not be able to square that with like jesus loves them Hmm. at all It, it but i wouldn't try it, right. I would just let those two completely opposite ideas sit in my head and not address them. So that had bothered me to the point where like the Holy Spirit was working on me to be like, hey, you need to make a change. And instead of like, you know, doing away with like my obsession with my identity, part of my identity being politics, I just swung the other way and decided that I was going to somehow champion other people's problems more than they did so that I could like kind of feel good about myself. Hmm. That was a whole sub thing. But... I was explaining this to him and talking about like this change that happened to me and like 
trying to be more understanding of people and like seeing things from their point of view and like you know realizing that God loves them and they don't they don't uh, uh, you know um, we need to be compassionate towards them and everything else. Mm-hmm. I just remember he's not along. He's just sitting there and he's just like, yeah, that's that's cool. Um, sounds like you need to die already. <laughs> just like straight for the jugular, right? Yeah. Just you need to die already. And I'm like, whoa pardon <laughs> like yeah. what and he's just like yeah it sounds like you have all of the ideas that god put in your in your head there but you just need to let him change you like stop trying to do it on your own like you're you're struggling you're trying to make all these changes and like i think i had mentioned a little bit about personal addiction and struggle and lust and all that stuff and he was just like yeah you need to just die huh right that was the day before he left for a month. <laughs> that was like right before, right? Yeah. It was like a couple conversations after that, but that was like it. Uh-huh. And we had actually, I had found just, he was so easy to talk to like those two weeks. I'd, we just sit around to talk for an hour or two just in the mornings. He would drop little bits of the gospel and everything. Anyway, so that was the last conversation. Then he jets off for a month and just after dropping this bomb, and I'm just, I, I even remember I went home, I, I told uh, uh, my wife, and she was just like, how dare he talk to you like that? What does he know, <laughs> right? And yeah. I don't know why, and I should have, normally I would have been in that position, but it was just being worked on in my heart. And I'm like, no, he's he's right. There's like, all this change has happened, but like, the switch hasn't been flipped. Like, what what's different there? And like, he drops me like, hey, check out this um this YouTube playlist series for Love Reality, and it was the, uh, the tour in uh uh pvc pvc yeah it was the pvc tour um and like i eventually start watching through these and it's talking about like you know you're free from sin and it's talking about like uh you're always god's child and like how he sees you and like just living from the truth of who you are and your identity and not letting these lies of like uh that you're always this dirty rotten sinner and you're always going to be predisposed to this and you're never going to be free from addiction and all this stuff just kind of washing over me and like by the time he got back from that trip, I went from literally not being able to use use the word God in a sentence to the point where my wife, my wife I think it was like the the week before he got back. At some point in that week, my wife was like, "You need to shut up about the gospel because it is driving me mad. Because that is all you talk about day and night anymore." <laughs> she was so wait just from watching the pvc stuff from watching the pvc or i think it was the week after he got back because we had a couple more conversations but like within that month month and a half period yeah. like it hit me hard what what was it that hit you i think it was finally understanding romans 6 that i was dead to sin because i had always positioned myself in this way that like it was going to at my very nature i was predisposed to this like lust I had in my heart and like God would work a change in me, but it was always going to be a process. And like I could jump off the bandwagon and then like maybe run a little bit to jump back on. But like that was kind of it. I kind of had to just keep waiting. Like eventually one day I'd get to heaven and like it'd be, I'd be remade and reborn and it'd be good. Right. Right. But like until then I just have to like, be patiently waiting for God to like continually gradually change me. And as long as I'm kind of in the room where he can work on me, I'm good. But like, if I jump out of the seat, like it's gonna, I guess you could say it's like getting a haircut. It's like, you can get to that look you want if you let the barber work on your hair long enough. But like you jump out of the chair and like just chill in the corner, 
he's not going to keep cutting your hair. Like mm. he, he's going to wait for you to jump back in. So I was just like, yeah, I've been I've been sitting in the corner for what I thought a long time until that last year. And then every once in a while I'd plop down in the seat for a couple of minutes and then jump back out. So like I thought I had to put my time in, like I had to keep sitting. I had to keep waiting. And like, if I waited long enough, eventually I'd get to that point. But really it was just like, no, you're there. Like he did this. It's finished. It's been accomplished. Mm -hmm. Stop telling yourself that like you need to earn this because built up in all of this was also the, the lie that I had never earned the love and the gifts that my parents were giving me in the natural. Because hmm. my parents were so loving and so willing, especially my dad, with and patient with me, with just spending their money like water, just buying frivolous things. Because among all my addictions, I also had an addiction to spending. Like just tons of stuff. Like and it went from spending on personal, like running up Amazon carts and everything else, and just buying tons of random stuff to like keeping my business afloat because my business was failing, and I got to start putting that on the personal credit card because like that's who I am, and people can't know it's failing. Mm. And like if they know it's failing, I'll be found out as a fraud. And the one thing, other than now being a parent and you know being a husband, the one thing that like really identifies who, how I've accomplished and what I've done in the world mm-hmm. would fall apart. Mercy. Because people would see it, so I've got to keep this this persona up. So I was spending money like water and all this stuff. So I had always seen that had been operating under this idea that I had never earned what they had given me, and I had wasted all the benefit of the doubt they had given me time after time after time after time. Because on the outside, I was this. It's why I relate too much. Oh, in the PVC videos, one of the things I related to was the prodigal son, because mm-hmm. I saw that. I was simultaneously the older brother and the younger brother. Hmm. I was the older brother in the perception I let everyone else see me as, as like being the good kid, as the kid that like always followed the rules, being the kid that was like nice, that was whatever, and like that perception. However, on the inside, on my private life, Hmm. I was out there going nuts. Hmm. I was just spending money like water. I was like feeding into my addiction. I was just you know, simultaneously be like, oh, how you doing? Like, you know, nice to meet you, whatever. But like inside being annoyed at them or like disliking someone or just having like, it was all in my head, having thoughts of people positioning them, like thinking the worst of them, right? But I couldn't ever let them know that's what I thought because they had to like me. (laughs) (laughs) So like, it was just this mess. Sounds like some deception. Yeah, this double-minded deception, right? So that's what hit me. It was just like, I'm free of this. I've been given it all already. Do you know, like, like while you're watching the video, like, did you, be- like, the first sermon or the mm-hmm. first message is freedom from sin in Romans 6? Yeah. Right after you heard it because you'd been talking with Eddie, did it click immediately? It, it, I think the one that really hit is right at the second Jonathan uh, in the PVC series, he breaks out the uh, illustration of, uh, um, Israelites, and then going through, coming out of Egypt through the desert, the the, the manna, the flame, the water, yeah. and like the second he does the illustration of the blood of the lamb, I think that hit me. I'm like, I have it now. Yeah, when like, were they it. free? Yeah, when were they free? I'm like, I got it now. Like, stop acting like it's coming. I've got it now, and that that is what just like wrecked me. But it was like all culminated at once. It, yeah, it, it's the weirdest thing. It's like it was gradual over that month, but then like there was just one moment where like it, it was I was I was on a delay. 
it was like all this stuff, like all these waves had just been like building and building and building and building, mm-hmm. like in in that, and they were kind of like brushing up against me, and then eventually one just like, okay, I get it all now. So, so when he says, "When were they free?" and you have this realization that he had done this thing, mm-hmm. what did then you believe about what God thought about you and who you were? That he had never stopped, and that at any moment in my life where I was in the deepest, darkest thoughts about other people, about myself, when I was just basically, you know, in the other country, just wasting everything my father had given me. And it just, it hit hard because I was like, I literally have been doing that for years. He never stopped seeing me as son. And like, it also hit me too that like, such a physical representation because knowing my dad and like his love for me and my siblings and like he never positioned me in anything but his as anything but his son Hmm. he never did so the second i saw that i was like oh duh god like my dad has been showing me this like and and it hit me too because like my dad not a christian hmm. but like he got it he never he never saw me as anything less than his son and he never he never like every single time one of these things could could have come along mm-hmm. and like he could have been like no nope, you're done like i'm mm. cutting you off like this this is ridiculous he never did even to the end even after finding freedom having having some uh money problems with the business he was still like yeah you know and he didn't know where i was at i knew where i was at but like still still time and time again just giving me the benefit of the doubt and the second i saw that i'm just like how could i not just give my life to someone that is so easily willing to like give just with no strings what did you believe about yourself and and lust had that gotten grounded yet yeah i was the same thing i was just like this thing is not what i'm made for this is not some biological component of me that like is just always going to be there and always going to be looming in the corner ready to like come out. This is a thing that I've been freed from and literally at that point I started looking at it and it's like okay, so literally it just comes down to I'm going to start speaking truth that like I'm not I'm not a slave to this anymore. I'm free from it and like I'm going to stop. So one thing I related to a lot was the idea of the difference between us and freedom and like understanding who we are in our identity and who we used to be is like Adam and Eve in the garden. And it's the difference between what happens when we sin, because what happens when we sin sin before was we would go run and hide and cover ourselves with leaves. Right. And we would stay there. Right. Now, instead of covering myself up immediately, this is not who I am. This is not truth. I confess this. I confess the evilness of what I'm seeing, the reason why, and like confess like the reasons why this is evil and why it's so twisted. And I thank you for your love and forgiveness. And I thank you that I get the opportunity to walk in this thing now. And I no longer have to hide behind the bushes until a period where I feel okay enough with myself that I can come out and emerge and meekly ask for forgiveness and like go through the cycle again. I don't have to, I never have to take a step take a step towards those things i never have to look that way because beforehand it was like oh maybe i don't have to you know i don't have to separate myself 
separate myself from God for a few days to like know right. that can you know I I feel guilty enough, but like I gotta at least pretend like I'm gonna go through that process before I come back because He's got to know I'm sincere. Because I used to remember asking for forgiveness even when I was like you know teenager, like asking for forgiveness and being like God, please forgive me. I know You're gracious and everything. I know I literally in my prayer I'd be like I I know I don't feel like sincere enough, and I know there's like I'm missing something because. I don't know if I'm really sincere enough. So please, like, please know I'm actually being sincere. You know, my heart, like I, I really mean this. Like, I know I said that before a million times, but I really mean it, you know, mm-hmm. and that would always be the cycle. So I just dumped that. I just immediately dumped it. Cause I'm just like, no, like that's not it. I'm not living like that anymore. Wow. Yeah. So did you believe you were new? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was one of those things where like, I couldn't pinpoint the, the, the second I got that realization, I even was like, oh, I've been new before this, but like I like a week or that month or whenever. And it's like, I couldn't pick the day, but like I knew it, if that makes sense. Like it was something that had already happened. I was just, it was like I had forgotten and God was just like, hey, by the way, I already did this thing. Like you already, not only have I already died for you and you're free of this, like you were reborn like yesterday. You just didn't notice. Like I've already done it. Like, just reminding you, like, this is taken care of for you. So you'd gone from death to life. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I I think that as we as we do these podcasts and we're, we're hearing the story, I think one of the main things that people understand that they've gone to death to life is that the shame is gone. Yeah. They're no longer that thing. You're not a addict no not at all <laughs> and in the the biggest lie was that i ever you know that like i was ever positioning myself in that place to begin with that like that by saying that to begin with i made myself okay so by saying that very thing that i was an addict to start with i immediately made myself okay with feeling like an addict hmm. from the very beginning because i'm like i'm an addict so this is what addicts feel like. So this is how I'm going to feel like forever. Like, uh, this is my mo- mode of operation now. I'm just going to feel in guilt forever. And like, because that's what addicts do. And I'm an addict. So the second I put on that label, I'm putting on every all the junk that comes with that. So I just ripped that thing off and threw it away. I was just like, no. So... What time of year is this when this happens? So this is August of 2020. Um, so this is while um, uh, good old Eddie is out on his vacation. Um, so this is happening. And he comes back. And, of course, I'm like, thank you so much. This has changed my life. You knew it had changed your life immediately. Yeah, I was just like, I'm, uh, this is amazing. Like, I'm not going like, to be the same. And then I remember something like, oh, like he was almost not surprised by it, but he's like, oh, cool. And we have this phrase now where we'll, we'll say all the time, it's just another Tuesday. Like yeah. he, he went, right? And it's just like, when you live from the abundance of your heart of what Jesus has done for you and changed you, you can't help but sharing in a way that's so genuine that other people can receive it and have their lives change. And to you, it's just the goodness of God you operate in on day in and day out out now so like to him he was just sharing 
he didn't have any expectations of me picking it up when he got back. Mm. He didn't have any idea that the work the Holy Spirit was doing in me. It was just another Tuesday. But to me, it was everything. And that's not to say that we don't think this thing is incredible. No, but but it is the the point that we live with now is so life changing that like it it isn't. We don't have to like. There's a point in which you do get up every morning. You're like, it's amazing that like I'm here, that God is blessing me, that I get to walk in this. Like I'm happy to even be alive, to even be like speaking this and everything else. But it's also just this. It's the light. It's the mm-hmm. light on the hill, right? Mm-hmm. It shines whether you're paying attention to where the shadows are reflecting or where the light is reflecting off of or not, it's still hitting him. Wow. So like in that moment, it was his light was still, the Holy Spirit through him was still hitting me, whether he knew it, the impact of it yet or not. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he gets back and obviously like we just go through this period of incredible events happening with the company. So we, we go into, um, and, just like myself, the company had a um, had a death of like and was reborn, and where like I literally was just like, this is no longer mine. Like this is God's company, and literally the customers are the people we interact with. And if we never sell another item, we never make another dime. It does not matter because as long as we're in people's lives and we're sharing the gospel, that's the point. Hmm. right it's not the the point of this company is no longer to make money <laughs> hmm. not like we were making a lot of money hand over fist anyway but, yeah. <laughs> but it's no longer the point um so then through that like we had a low period where we still we're still looking for um uh like where the direction of the company was we reinvented ourselves twice over completely tore down all of our processes our marketing the products we were selling how we positioned ourselves um and this whole time like we're just doing everything internal because the customers aren't coming. Mm-hmm. But in that time, our perseverance was being built mm-hmm. with our faith. And we're just learning, like I'm learning and Eddie's practicing being still and knowing that he's God. So like we'd come in in the morning and there we expect there'd be calls, but if there was no calls, we would just like pull out our Bibles and just study and praise and like just read and just know that we're going to be okay on the other side of this. Like, if it's the business, if if it's not, if it's something completely different, and, like, even if Eddie and I had to part ways, and, like, he had to go somewhere else and I had to go my own way, we're good. We're solid, right? Um, so that's happening, and we're just, we're just being still and knowing that God's working in our lives. And then, like, little things start happening on the way. So, like, one day we're praying about, like, hey, we're trying to figure out our marketing. Like, we can't get it. And then... A couple hours later, Eddie gets a call from one of his friends, um, and this woman calls him up, and he's like, hey, I was praying this morning, and God hit me with, you guys need your marketing redone, hmm. so send me everything you've got, and let me look at it, hmm. right? And nothing ever specifically came about that, but that was just literally him being like, hey, just a reminder, guys, I got you. Hmm. Like, don't stress about this, Wow. right? Or then, like, um, we had another moment where uh, it was October, and, like, it's really starting to look like I'm toying with ideas. Like, does the company need to be sold? Like, do we need, cause I'm, I'm okay with like separating from it. My, my identity is not in it anymore. My ego is separated from it. Like I don't need it anymore to be f- filled. So I'm like, if it goes, it's fine. Like you've got other plans for us. That's cool. Um, and we're praying about it and really trying to settle. Like, do we, do we keep fighting for this or do we let it go? Like what's going on? Cause at this point I'm free enough. I'm treating Eddie like a co-owner. Like he knows everything, every every bit, 
And in fact, he's he says, was he surprised when you're like, yeah, we we might be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, so he he likes to say that the moment he knew I was free was when I um when I gave him the uh, uh all the passwords and everything to our accounting software and showed him how much in debt we were and like everything because uh-huh. I just was like here's everything like just what do you think um and that was like September I think um or October uh so yeah he he was surprised I think it hit him uh hit him surprised but also we weren't worried we were just anxious in our uncertainty because we we're like we know God has a plan what's the plan is it with the businesses without what are we doing here right so that's October we're praying one day and being still practicing his uh his presence in our lives and and then uh, we pray, we go home, uh, we come back the next morning. I get a call from uh, a company in Lincoln who basically calls us up and they're like, hey, we've done um, similar things in your guys' industry uh, for the last year, but because of COVID and some other complications, like this, we kind of don't want to be in it anymore. So is it cool if we give you our all of our active customers right now and can we also, um, like, you know, eventually give you all our inventory because we're not using it anymore? Hey, and we've got a year of leads we haven't followed up on. Do you guys want those? Oh, hey, you know, uh, do you, is it cool if we put you on our website and then, like, you know, link you? <laughs> hey, we're going to send out an email blast, too, to, like, all of our existing customers to, like, hook, look you guys up and, like, use you. Oh, yeah, and maybe in the future we can do some other amazingly cool things. Oh, and by the way, we don't believe in contracts. So, like, that's not our MO. So, like, right now we're not going to sign anything. Huh. No, like, we just want our customers taken care of. You guys are local. And, like, we really like you. Wow. That's it. So, we walk away from that moment just like, yeah, that's crazy, man. We're good. It's crazy, and it's just another Tuesday, right? Just another Tuesday. Because, like, beforehand, um, we had we prayed about it before, and I, uh, um, I very clearly was, like, told that, like, hey, you know, just secret place time. It was just like, hey, I've got plans for this company. Like, this isn't, this isn't your thing to take. So. So, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be more, uh more podcasts that come from your story. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to step on any of those because I just feel like there's more life to come. Yeah. From different people. That, But my main like takeaway and maybe as we wrap this up, like what did this whole thing do to change like what were you like and talk to me about what you are like now um i was two-faced um i was the type of person that would always try to please everyone and always wanted to make everyone happy um but wouldn't think well of them in my mind i was a person that was addicted to lust to the point where like it runned it ran my life it controlled who i was as a husband it controlled who i was when i was you know dating it controlled just every aspect of my life it controlled my self-worth i controlled how i saw women just in general just interacted with them period and i was someone that completely wasted every gift i was given without a second thought um 
basically, yeah, all while masquerading around like I was the older son and I had it all put together and not letting anyone see kind of what was going on on the inside. And now I'm someone that knows how much I'm loved and knows that I have have and always have will be a son first and that God is love. And love is God, God is love. There's no separating the two. So of course, being his son, he's always given me everything with no strings attached and all he's ever wanted was conversation. Like that's it. Like all he's ever wanted is just to be with him, just to talk, just to be the family that he's always expected me to be and just be he just wants to in live his here, life. Right? Yeah. That's it. He just wanted me in his life. And yeah. like he was willing to wait until the end of time for me to wake up to it because he loves me and he doesn't, you know, he loves me enough to like let me choose. And that has changed everything to the point where like now I, I so much appreciate like my heavenly father and then like my father, my parents, how 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 they treated me um growing up and even till you know recently and onward just for the love that they had and the patience and everything else and how good my father is that he gets to that I get to even wake up every single morning and just be like thank you that I'm alive like this anymore the second I get up in the morning is the greatest the first breath I take, the first thought I have is the greatest gift I've ever been given and nothing will ever come close. The fact that I just get to walk in it and that's it. So much that you're just out here kicking it in Portland (laughs) and pouring life into people, telling them about how much they're loved. Yeah. And yeah, man, every single time we think that the gospel can't reach a sort of person, like maybe somebody believes that they can't be reached by it or someone they know can't be reached by it. Like you're just another example of God just loving his kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, we all like to think we have different problems. We have different kind of insurmountable addictions or beliefs about ourselves or just like, you know, skeletons in the closet. But the answer is always the same. The answer is always love. So when we come out on the other side, we're perfectly loved. And we get to the same point of just being grateful to be here because we know how much has been given. Like, it doesn't matter where you started. You end up in the same place. And let me tell you, like, the gift of knowing kind of going back to the beginning of like this idea of eventually in heaven, like I would, I would have peace. I would have, you know, closure, the gift of knowing that heaven, the kingdom of heaven is here Mm -hmm. and we're living it. It doesn't get better than that. Our privilege is to get to like live this thing out now every moment of the day. And like that cannot be beaten. You want, you want miracle from heaven. You don't need to look further than your own experience of like him changing us and then giving us that. That's it. Like, yeah. You don't sound like you're afraid for the future of your company or <laughs> No, not at all. Like it, even like this week we can't so we're out here for 10 days here in um in uh McMinnville by Portland and like 
uh, Eddie and I were having a conversation when we came out. Where it was just like, yeah, you know, we're going to be away for a week. And beforehand, I would have been a wreck because I would have been like, all these customers maybe that wouldn't call and everything else. And now I'm just like, well, God literally turned on the faucet to give us the customers. All he's got to do is turn it off for a week and then he can just turn it on when we get back. Because like, Eddie goes on trips, I go on trips. The ebb and flow of work, like we'll we'll won't have too many customers, so we're good. Then it'll pick back up when we're both there. Then it'll drop down like clockwork every time. We work for Love Reality for the digital stuff for a month, um, just working on it. And then this, like the day we got finished with all the important stuff, we got tons of calls from customers. But the day after, I should say, the day after, but not until, because God's like, let me shelve this for you guys real quick. You need to work on this because I want to work on you. <laughs> Daggum, bro. Yeah, it's it's an amazing... There's no stress. There's no anxiety. There's no whatever. And like, I don't know who's going to be hearing this and either works in a small company or owns a small company. And mind you, I'm a kid that's uh, uh, under 30 that has a company that's been around for three years. But let me tell you this. There's nothing like the freedom of living and walking with a relationship with God and owning a company compared to what it used to be. The anxiety, the depression, the pressure, the home, the effect it has in your home life, on parenting, on your spouse, on family, and the mountain of weight you put on yourself to perform, either for yourself, if it's just you, or for your employees and families, feeling that be lifted and knowing that God has you and putting it in his hands is, it, it's indescribable. It's amazing. I mean, it it is hand in hand why I needed to die and then the company needed to die. Man, I'm just thinking about this thing. Someone might be listening to this podcast and how we started it was just like me talking about you being a rich kid. (laughs) And it's like, there may be a temptation to be like, yeah, Addison's talking about his business and how da 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 da. And why was he even stressed out in the first place? Because I I know his daddy, and I know <laughs> like that he would have always been okay. So why mm-hmm. was he even stressed out? And and to those people, I say, you're in the same position that Addison is in. Yeah, your daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Your father loves you. He's already done it. He's already like your dad doesn't owe you anything because he's already given you everything in the same way. Like that was the position you were in with your real dad. Oh yeah. And your Mm -hmm. father in heaven. And by being real dad, I mean like your dad here on your earthly father and your father in heaven. You were in a simultaneous Mm -hmm. and now you can receive from your earthly father from your heavenly father. Yeah. And, and, and this is the other part of it too, is whether it's my dad here, my dad in heaven, either way, I know the truth of what they've done and they've given me. So either of them, I materially or blessings, whatever you want to say, neither of them could have, give me anything that manifests on this, on this earth again. And that now will not change the truth of what they've done and who they are and how much they love me. Hmm. Like my dad couldn't, he could, he could say that like there's nothing left and he can't give me a single cent for the rest of my life and I will love him forever. And it never will change. That's not, that's not conditional. That's not, I need, I need nothing from him 
but I get to receive from him because of his love. And that's the exact same with my Heavenly Father. And yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to be loved, it's good. bro. It's good. It's good I, to be loved, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for, uh, man, thanks for telling your story, man. Yeah. <laughs> so many people are, man, if you want to, if you want this thing, man, if you want this thing, if you're listening, you're just like, oh, I want it. You have it. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. He sees you as holy, blameless, above reproach. If, in fact, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you have faith in that. So, thanks for coming on, bro. Thank you for yeah, having me. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to hear <laughs> the next few podcasts of the people that have been just like, you know, the podcast in the future, the, the people that have been just wrecked because of your testimony. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate you, bro. <laughs> Stay alive, hey. Mm-hmm.